Sunday mornings are awesome. It's uh, part, one, of the, one of the reasons we, uh, one of our pieces of our vision is to connect deeply. And I love these times, those little four minutes. Some of you go, let's get on, let's like, sing or let's preach. Or, this is a big reason why we're here is to connect. So I hope you keep on doing that. Stay after the service and join us for coffee or tea and do some more of this. <sighs> let me slow down for a second here. I uh, um, want to let you know a couple things. Uh, hey, uh, thanks, Jesse, for praying for me. Uh, I, I lead the Tri-City Ministerial this Saturday. Um, privileged to be involved in hosting the Tri-City Prayer Breakfast. As she said, 25 civic leaders. We've got uh, MLAs, MPs, the three mayors of the Tri-Cities, uh, city councilors, uh, school trustees, fire chiefs, and police chiefs are going to be there on Saturday. Uh, I get a chance, we're, we're changing up this year, I get, I'm going to get a chance to interview uh, MLA Mike Farn, Farnworth, and uh, I'm also going to get a chance to interview a pastor. That's what we do at our Tri-City Ministerial every month. I interview a pastor, ask him about their lives, uh, get in a little bit deeper about their lives, and so we decided to bring that into our, our prayer breakfast this year, and so I'm interviewing a politician and a pastor who actually have more in common than you think. Uh, <laughs> we live kind of public lives. And with that come pressures, and so we, uh, I just love the fact that Hillside sponsor, helps to sponsor that event and, and pour into it, and it's just going to be great. So be praying this week that, uh, as, as I've shared before a couple years ago, a new councilor, a new city councilor came to that event and, and after that said, I'm making a new commitment to attend Sunday worship. I have been out of that habit for probably the last couple of decades. I'm going back to church. That was a response of one of our political leaders. So God can do great things at these things. We get together mostly to encourage them and then pray for our city, but it's a great, great morning. Um, introduced our, our warm welcome plan last week. Boy, is that exciting. Uh, actually, based on the announcement last Sunday, uh, we had a couple guests with us last Sunday who were just, they're from out of town, and they actually wrote checks <laughs> that Sunday. We've already got a seed funding towards, towards this uh, fund because they bought the vision that, that we as a congregation want to make this place a more welcoming space. And so we're really excited about that. I uh, want to just uh, clarify, we're, we're looking uh, a couple Sundays from now, we're going to have a special offering. We're over and above kind of your regular giving here. We still got to you know, pay the heat and the hydro and, and, and hopefully our staff but uh, over and above that, we would love to, to encourage you to give towards this. We, we're, our target is $30,000. Of that, $30,000 is matched dollar for dollar. So our hope is for $30,000 that Sunday, that, or, or some amount, that will be transformed into double. And so that's kind of exciting. Um, know that uh, as we're making changes, uh, we, some of the best ideas about the changes we're going to be making have come from you actually. Uh, over the last couple of years, uh, some, some amazing ideas have bubbled to the surface. And more than once, people have come to us and said, could we really do something about this? Or could we do something about this? And, and so those ideas have been uh, sort of fleshed into this plan. But we're not convinced we have every good idea out there. <laughs> and even our good ideas, maybe we can do some tweaking and adjusting. And so if you have a desire to, to share uh, your dream for our facility and our property, maybe you have an idea and you go, well, I didn't see it there, or, or, or you have a question, next Sunday, after both our services in the West Wing, you can come and talk to a couple of our elders, and uh, we'll hopefully unpack that. If you've got questions, we'd love to, to answer that. We'd love to hear your good ideas 
as we get along with this. Our, uh, we, our team is starting to meet with regards to, to planning our way forward. So uh, let's be praying about this, shall we? Um, we're going to pray about that in just a moment. I uh, want to let you know, uh, Lori Allward and Adam are in Kenya still. Uh, they have been working in, in that region, not just in our community, in, in Seje, but in another adjoining community with another church. And so, but they wanted to let us know that they're coming home tomorrow, or, or late, late tonight. They'll be journeying for a long, long time, uh, international flights being as they are. Let's be praying for Lori and, and, and uh, not Brian, but Adam, as they uh, make their way home. Also, the fellow, Papa Paulo, uh, a community leader in Seje, he is the one who donated the land for the school that we built. He passed away today. And so uh, imagine a generous, uh, you know, a neat thing about our project there has been it's not just been us diving into that community and doing, doing every, all the good stuff. It's like us partnering with our family in Seje and working together and uh, a guy like uh, Paulo, Papa Paulo they call him, I love that, uh, is a saint who's now with the Lord. And, and uh, so let's Remember, that community, as they grieve, one of their elders uh, going home to be with Jesus, uh, let's pray for Lori and, uh, and a- Adam, and let's pray for this warm welcome plan. Let's just uh, quiet our hearts and open our minds to Jesus this morning. Lord, you're Lord of all, of everything. There's no, uh, there's no square inch of planet Earth that you have not proclaimed your ownership of. We're yours, and uh, we're in your hands, God, this morning, and, and uh, we long to uh, grow and, and, and become the kind of community you want us to become, Lord. We pray you'd work in us to become that, Father, to, to be a, a community that, that is all about your glory, God, we pray. Father, uh, today we just, we just bring up those three things. I don't feel like I even need to go into them in depth, Lord, again, but our warm welcome plan, our desire, Father, to be a welcoming church, to be a place that's friendly, that's, that's uh, just taking away obstacles, God, and, and making it an easy place to connect. Uh, Lord, even just being more of a lighthouse to our neighborhood, God, we want to be that uh, here, uh, Lord, that, that people might know that there's a church on Austin Avenue that's got a warm welcome to, to them, God, so would you, would you uh, help us be and, and throw out that kind of welcome to our neighborhood, God? For Lori and Adam, we would lift them up as they travel, God. Your, your, your mercies would be poured out upon them. And Lord, they would experience your grace and peace today. Your journeying mercies, Lord, as they say their goodbyes and prepare for reentry, we ask for your blessing on them. I'd, I'd lift up uh, Doug and Jill were mentioned earlier as they returned from Southeast Asia and are, and are here Father, for this uh, brief time of respite, we pray, pour into their lives today too, God, that uh, Doug and Jill would be warmly welcomed by us as they worship with us in these, these next couple of months, but uh, I pray that, that you would encourage and strengthen them. Father, uh, Pastor Paulo uh, has gone home to be with you, and we just, our Papa Paulo, I should say, and we, uh, we ask you again, God, to, to bless that community with leaders like him. We give you thanks for him, Lord, who, who literally sold, gave property 
so that a, a school could be built that's been doing so much good in that community, Lord. Uh, it wouldn't exist except for him. And so we uh, pray your blessing on that family and on that community. And say, Jay, continue to, to, Lord, grow that community and prosper them in every way, spiritually, Lord, and physically. We'd love for them to just uh, flourish as a community. And now as we look at your word, speak to each one of us, God. You have a word for each one of us today. I'm convinced of it. So speak, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, our theme for our transformation series is Romans 12, 2. And this week I want us to look at it in the New Living Translation, where it says this, Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Many of you learned it uh, as the renewing of your mind. But let me sum up today what I want to say in just one sentence. God is far more interested in changing your mind than he is in changing your circumstances. I think we'd be far happier in a way if God would deal with and just take away our, our, all, our, all our problems, all our sorrows, all our difficulties, all our, our, our suffering. And we know God knows about those things. We know, he, we know he cares about those things. But he is far more interested in changing your mind than he is in in changing our circumstances because no transformation takes place. No no deep deep change takes place in our lives until our our thoughts begin to change, until there's this renewing of your mind. My high school job uh, was to work at a farm store. It was from a town of Stouffville, small farming community. I worked at the co-op. And I did everything you could do over the course of my years, part-time working there every summer and, and after school. And uh, my, one of my favorite jobs was to work with this older Mennonite fellow. Uh, some of you have Mennonite roots. Well, this guy was a classic Mennonite. I mean, they, their church, they got together on Sundays. They didn't even have an organ or a piano. They sang a cappella every Sunday. They could sing beautifully. Every Sunday morning, or pardon me, every morning, he'd go to the little staff refrigerator and he'd pull out this bottle of horseradish and he'd take a big spoon of horseradish and, and swallow that back. I mean, is that a Mennonite practice or was this just Elmer? I mean, seriously, that was bizarre. He'd kind of went, it'd be like taking wasabi and just, you know, kicking her back. Weird. But he had a favorite saying that has stuck with me my whole life. It's one of those ones I repeat often when, it, when it's appropriate in my family. But he used to say this all the time. He said, great minds think alike. You heard that one? And he'd follow it up with, small minds seldom differ. <laughs> I loved it. I, I want to suggest this morning that you have a great mind. That, that a mind is a beautiful thing, and God has given you a beautiful mind. I believe that. That, that, that uh, when, when God created human beings, when God crafted our minds, he, he stood, stood back and wondered, that's good. That's really good, right? Um, and, and so because it's this amazing gift that we've been given, we're called to, like any gift that we're given from God, we're called to steward it. We're, we're called to, to care for it. We're called to kind of protect it and manage it and all those kind of things. So how do we do that? We're going to talk about how we do that this morning. But first, why is it so important that we learn to have renewed minds? I, I, I want to give you three reasons why it's important for us to manage our minds, to manage our thought life. First of all is because our thoughts control our lives. 
I mean, every single action always begins as a thought. If we don't think it, we don't do it. And that's, uh, that can be both good and bad. I mean, good thoughts breed good behavior. Bad thoughts kinda, can lead us astray. Proverbs 4, 23 in the today's English version says, be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. Some people say, I, I, just, I just thought it. <laughs> but we don't realize how important a thought is. Scripture says, your thought, life, has a tremendous power to, to shape your life, for good or for bad. For example, if, if you accept the thought, you know, while growing up, somebody, somebody said to you, you're worthless, you're no good, you don't matter, you know, you're, you're, you're ugly, you're or, uncoordinated. If you accepted that idea, whether it was right or it was wrong, it shaped your life because our beliefs just have tremendous power. It doesn't even have to be true. Some of us, maybe most of us, were, were taught things about ourselves while growing up that weren't even true, that just weren't true. And years later, we find ourselves still acting on that false information. And so be transformed by the renewing of our minds because our thoughts control our life. Secondly, another reason we need to tra- challenge or, or manage our minds is our minds are the battleground for sin. It's where we lose or, or win the battle for sin. It's, it, it, in fact, all temptation, when you think about it, it happens in the mind. We, we, I think we tend to think temptation is something out there. It happens upon us, something external, something that happens that we see and we might say, that's tempting me. It wouldn't tempt you unless there was a connecting or corresponding desire within you. All temptation, I'd say, is between your ears. It's in your mind. Let me give you some examples, like the sins of of pride, or, or the sins of lust, or bitterness, or hatred, or anger, or fear, or resentment, or, or worry. Where are those things? They're all in our heads. And Jesus, actually, in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, you got to realize, you know, you're saying do not murder. I'm saying do not be angry, because where does anger lead? Well, taken to its extreme, it takes you to murder, right? That's where it starts. So if we can learn to manage our minds, we can learn how to manage our lives, because this is where the the primary battleground of our lives are. Paul in Romans 7 is very articulate in explaining how we've all felt how I think we all feel sometimes, like we get pulled in a a bunch of different directions. Paul says, for in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But he says, I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. I think we can all all identify with that. There's something going on in our minds. I mean, did you catch the, the, the kind of the battle theme that was going on in, in, that, in that passage. He says, waging war, making us prisoners, enslaving us. Paul's saying that there's a battle in our brain, and, and sometimes it's, it's a conscious battle. We're aware of it. Sometimes it's unconscious. We're unaware, and it can be really intense. <laughs> Why is that? Well, because our mind, honestly, folks, it's our greatest asset. It's our greatest asset, and and, and Satan wants to control it. The world wants to con- control it. Even our, our old sinful nature wants to, to twist it and control it. It's our greatest asset. And, and so there's this battle for the way we think because whatever gets our attention gets us. 
So managing our minds is, is important because our thoughts control our life and also because our, our minds are the, the theater for temptation and for battling sin. And thirdly, just finally, it, it's the key to, to life and happiness, to peace. Managing your mind is actually the key to peace and experiencing happiness. Romans 8, 6 says, so letting your, your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. Wow. But letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. And so as we learn to cooperate with God, as we learn to allow the the spirit of God to influence our minds, we get more life and peace. Let me ask you this morning, who doesn't need more of that in their lives? Like, like, uh, we would say that's probably the opposite of our experience on many, many days if we're honest. That sounds so attractive. Rick Warren put it this way, he says, an unmanaged mind leads to tension. He says, a managed mind leads to tranquility. The unmanaged mind leads to pressure. A managed mind leads to peace. An unmanaged mind leads to conflict and chaos. A managed mind leads to confidence. An unmanaged mind leads to stress. But a managed mind leads to strength and security and serenity. So if it's a (laughs) no-brainer to manage our minds... How do we go about that? I, I, I want us to dig into two daily choices that we can make, uh, choices we can make in terms of renewing our mind. First, by, by feeding our mind, and secondly, by freeing our mind. So if we want to have a healthy mind, first, we must renew our minds with, with truth. We must feed our minds with truth. And, and doing this will involve praying that God would give us a greater hunger for his word. <laughs> uh, Jesus said so profoundly in his rebuttal of the devil. The devil's tempting him, and Jesus says, people do not live by bread alone, but on what? On every word, on every thing that, let me read it. (laughs) (laughs) On every word, I was right. My mind, whoo, that comes from the mouth of God. Um, We know that what we eat matters. Uh, It's kind of like good in, good out. Uh, You know, you eat good food, healthy food, and... uh, and, and, and we have healthier bodies, and we have more energy, and, and, and we get sick less, and all those kind of things, right? You eat junk food all the time. and I mean, you, you can do it just one day where you've eaten a junk food diet one day, and you feel the effects that day, don't you, right? It's like garbage in, garbage out. You feel this. And this is true of our minds. What we feed our minds determines who we become. So Jesus said, feed on my word. So when should I feed on, on God's word, on his truth? The answer is all the time, <laughs> all the time, you know, throughout the day, morning, noon, and night. In terms of food, they tell us that it, it's better to kind of eat a little bit of food throughout our day, scattered through our day, than, than eating just like three big, ginormous meals, and then having long gaps between nourishment. You know, you want to keep your blood sugar up. I know a hillsider who passed out a couple of weeks ago because they hadn't been eating enough, and so we need to kind of have that throughout the day, kind of keep that before us. And the same thing is with truth. If you are constantly thinking about truth, it's going to renew your mind. It's going to change your mind. I'll give you some examples of this from from David. We've been looking at him a lot lately. Um, Psalm Psalm 119, 147, he says, I rise before dawn and I cry for help. What's that sound like? That's prayer. And then he says, I have put my hope in in your word. 
That's scripture. He says, I start every day talking to God, crying out to God and listening to God. And he says, I look to God's word. I look for hope in his word. This, might, this is not news to some of you, but it might be to some of you that, that there are 7,000 promises from God in the Bible. 7,000 scriptures that offer promises, his good promises for us. And if we want to have minds that are renewed, we need to become promise people, beginning to learn and, and memorize and reflect on, on these, these promises. I'd say if we're feeling hopeless about our life, we're not spending enough time looking at God's promises. We've we got to shift our, our attention there. David says, I start my day with hope. How about you? How are you starting your days? Are you starting your days with hope? Or are you starting your days with despair? In the same chapter, verse 97, David says, Lord, how I love your word. I think about it all day long. And then Psalm 16, 7, he says, even in the darkest night, your teachings fill my mind. So he says, early in the morning, all through the day, and even late at night, I'm thinking about God's truth. Um, by the way, I, was, uh, I heard this week of a pastor who is urging his congregation uh, regularly to, to spend every day 15 minutes with God. 15 minutes with God, do, do these readings, 15 minutes a day. And uh, he said lots of people were taking that challenge up and trying to do that. One keener came up to him and said to him one Sunday, I've gotten so good at my 15 minutes a day that I can get it done in seven and a half minutes. Let me give you an example of how serious David was about filling his mind with the truth of God's word. You might remember David, uh, Lincoln a couple weeks ago talked about this a little, how David spent a, a large portion of his life running for his life. King Saul wanted to kill him, and so he was being chased to and fro across the land, hiding out in caves, going from place to place, not knowing every day when he woke up whether this is the day that he was going to be killed. There were actually people trying to kill him. I can't say I've ever been in that situation, and, and, and likely most of you haven't been in that situation either. I don't know. But listen to David in, in, in Psalm 119.95 where he says, when wicked people hide to ambush and kill me, I quietly keep my mind on your decrees. Wow. He says, I keep my mind on your laws, on your, on your word. If someone's trying to kill us, uh, my question would be, are, are we thinking about God's word? I think we're thinking about calling the police, uh, bolting the door, you know, crying out for help, running away. And David says, I don't care what's going on in my, on in my life, morning, noon, or night, even people trying to kill me. There's one thing I do, I keep my mind on truth. That's called managing your mind, feeding our minds daily on truth. I could spend a long time talking about the diet of the mind and watching what things we need to avoid intaking, and, and you need to think about that as well. But for this morning, think about that, feeding our minds on truth. Now, each of us has to practically kind of figure out how to do this. Part of the genius of the transformed devotional that we've been going through is it gets you the habit of, of spending time with God daily. It's got a daily devotional that they encourage you to read, a little bit of scripture, and for those of you who have not had this habit, this is a, a great starting point for you. 50 days of doing anything, and you've got a habit formed. And we've got 50 devotionals in this book. It's one of those essential habits, and, and, and I, I could, we could talk about all kinds of ways of how you do this. I'd like to give you a living example this morning. And Kevin Slater, who is one of our small group leaders, has uh, agreed to come and share how, 
how he's wrestled with this a little bit and, and how God's been speaking to him lately on this whole subject. Come on up, Kevin. Give him a welcome this morning. Brave man. Good morning. How's my mic? Hello. All right. So uh, Derwin said I could have seven and a half minutes to talk about my 15 minutes of devotion time every morning. So, uh, so when Derwin asked me to share uh, with you guys, it was um, about my challenges in, in terms of daily devotion. Um, I was a bit surprised. In fact, I suggested that there would perhaps be lots of other people who are doing it much better than I. Uh, I even volunteered Suzanne to come up here and, and speak to you because she's, she's got, uh, got it figured out. Um, but I've been struggling, uh, you know, for a while, just the uh, attempts to have a daily meeting with God and, um, uh, and getting into the Bible um, found that it was uh, kind of a chore of the spiritual discipline uh, for quite a long while. Um, but nonetheless, Erwin thought that my blue-collar attempts to, uh, to get into daily devotion would be, uh, would be helpful and consistent with the sermon today, so here I am. Um, so my spiritual health has generally been measured by my religious practices. So um, coming to church on Sundays, you know, having Christian community, being involved in a small group, um, tithing, praying, um, doing all those kind, serving a little bit, all those kinds of things. Um, but my attempts to um, improve my spiritual health in the area of daily devotion has often, you know, fallen flat. Even with my, uh, you know, ongoing attempts to to try to do better, you know, in uh, through my own strength. Uh, in the uh, transformed devotion, the last couple of days, talking about the approach to someone who is uh, starting a new diet, you know, and, and initially having some enthusiasm and, and maybe getting some initial weight loss and then, you know, and then relying on one's own strength that often tends to not carry on very successfully. Um, I've tried to read the one-year Bible a few times, um, and on January 1st, I typically kind of hit it with enthusiasm and um, you know, get pretty excited through Genesis and Exodus, you know, all these great Bible characters and stories that we know. And then slogging through Deuteronomy and Numbers, I tend to lose enthusiasm. Um, and being a, uh, an obsessive-compulsive personality, I, I, I can't just kind of skip ahead and not read the chapters that I miss, so I try to catch up, and, and, and eventually, uh, eventually I fail. Um, and I've tried to do that numerous times over the last 30 years. Um, my, uh, one of my, my nephews, uh, made an accidental, uh, description of his attempts to have a daily devotion time, and he was actually calling the Jesus Calling devotional the one-year Bible, and he said, I've been doing the one-year Bible every day, and it was the Jesus Calling devotional, and I thought, you know what, I, I can do the one-year Bible, I can do the Jesus Calling devotional, so I've actually been doing okay with that since January 1st, I've been doing that devotional every day. Um, and I can sometimes do that in about two and a half minutes, but it's been really helpful. And I would encourage anyone who might be um, thinking about an achievable three-month goal in their own spiritual health to maybe consider Jesus Calling. Um, I, I've been consistently challenged by some of the 
the um, studies and curriculum that we've done at Hillside. So uh, love Peter Scazzaro and, and the study that we did on emotionally healthy uh, spirituality. Um, in that foreword to that book, it talks about his survey of church attending people in Canada and North America uh, and talking about how, you know, on average, the, the spiritual health of those attending is, is very shallow. Um, and, uh, and how many of us uh, do live on the spiritual coattails of others. And I, I was feeling uh, like that was, you know, talking to me, basically. Um, and I did. I was inspired for a time uh, with the daily office uh, routine of daily devotion that, was, uh, that we studied last year. And, uh, and for a while, um, you know, I was doing pretty well with that. But I have lots of distractions in my life, as you guys do. I, I have a busy work day, uh, and I, you know, kind of hit the, hit the day running sometimes, just already thinking about, you know, the things that I, that I must do over the course of my work day. I also realized I had this non-spiritual daily habit of reading the province sports in the morning when I made my coffee. And, 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 I, and I realized that despite the fact that I just wanted to keep up with maybe just the Canucks scores and the Seahawks scores, that I would often make my coffee and spend much more than, you know, a few minutes uh, reading the newspaper. So I, I made a, a decision to try to carve out a little bit more time in the morning by canceling my province subscription, and, and that helped. So I had a little bit more, more time and make some coffee, and then I could go up and, and uh, try my daily office devotion. Um, and that gave me a little bit of traction uh, and to some degree, that's carried on, but not, uh, not necessarily successful every morning. So um, I think God's continuing to talk to me about, uh, about daily devotion and daily meeting, meeting time. I went to a, a medical conference in Ottawa in the spring, and generally speaking, I, I wouldn't necessarily be attracted to a talk about mindfulness. That's not really my style. I would probably rather go to a talk about prescribing methadone or something but uh, nonetheless I went to a mindfulness talk and I was uh, and I was somewhat open-minded I thought perhaps the course would be taught by a you know a Jedi Zen master or something but it was actually uh, taught by a, a Christian physician from from Nova Scotia and in the and in the kind of learning about mindfulness a practice of just intentional silence or meditation um, I, I could actually see how God could work that into my life. Um, and I also went knowing in the context of mental health that, that actually recommending mindfulness training for someone who struggles in the area of anxiety or depression or chronic pain, that mindfulness is actually something that has um, a, a scientific basis for benefit. So I, I clearly can't just discount that as being uh, a useful thing, both uh, for myself and something that I can uh, tell other people about. Um, I mean, the other thing that's, that's gone on, um, you know, Duran mentioned, I, as uh, Suzanne and I are co-leading our small group this year, um, and for me, the, you know, the responsibility of leadership in our, in our small group means, you know, I need to get my stuff together, and especially as we're talking about the, the, uh, the desire to be having a, a daily meeting with God, so, so I've been, I've, I've had a new inspiration with respect to trying to uh, really be intentional about meeting with God daily. I, I also took uh, seriously the the uh, 
thinking about what my three-month spiritual goals might be. So I thought of doing the one-year Bible again, but the idea when you set goals is to have that be both achievable and measurable. So instead of reading through the Bible in one year, I've decided to read through the New Testament in one year, right? Much shorter, achievable. I know that I can do that. And, mm. and uh, you know, one chapter a day, sometimes a half a chapter a day. So I'm on track with my one-year Bible right now for 21 days. So I'm feeling kind of enthusiastic about that. Um, the other thing that I decided as part of my three-month goal setting was to be uh, very intentional about 15 minutes in the morning with my uh, daily meeting with God. Uh, I decided one way to achieve that would be setting my alarm 15 minutes earlier. So uh, I'm setting my alarm for 6.30 in the morning to get up. Uh, and for the most part, I've been successful getting up a little bit earlier. Um, the, the, one of the cool things, and you guys have experienced that too, you know, you set your alarm and you wake up just a few minutes before your alarm. So, so that's started happening. So I'm waking up before my alarm. Um, Suzanne doesn't always like my iPhone alarm going off at 6.30 in the morning because she can't, doesn't have to get up so early. Um, so back last week on uh, Wednesday night, Suzanne had complained. I was, you know, whatever, getting up all night and woke up early. So I said, okay, I'm, I'm just going to keep my alarm off. I'm going to ask God to wake me up at 6.30. I, what I'm reading is that God is just as eager to have this mm. meeting with me as I am to have this meeting with him. So, so last Wednesday night, didn't turn, didn't turn my alarm on. I uh, trusted God that, I would, that he would wake me up if this was important for him. <laughs> so I... <laughs> so I woke up at 3.13 in the morning and got up to pee. <laughs> and then I woke up again at, you know, 4.17, 4 and, and then looked at the clock and realized I had a little bit more time. The next time I woke up, I looked at my iPhone, and it was, it was 6.30. It was like smack on 6.30. So I said, okay, thanks, Scott. It's uh, time, time for our meeting. So, so, uh, so I, I got up and started the meeting. And my, my current routine, and I think this is probably, you know, going to shift a little bit. I, I find Jesus Calling really, really a very kind of helpful and, uh, you know, it, it's kind of cool for me that probably a billion people can be reading that devotional, yet it seems to be personal for me on, on uh, many mornings that I read it. I am trying to have a practice of silence and mindfulness when I start off my devotion time. Two minutes for me of being silent is a complete struggle. Um, but if I don't do that, how do I even know what God's trying to say to me? So I set my iPhone for two minutes. That way I'm not worrying about whether it's been two minutes or not. So set the timer for two minutes. Uh, it goes by pretty fast. Uh, then Jesus Calling, then I, using my iPhone app for the, the My Version One Year Bible, I'm reading my One Year Bible, and I've been really uh, encouraged by the, the, uh, uh, the transformed uh, devotion, which I've been doing daily. The other thing that I, uh, that I have done as a sort of an extension of my uh, small group leadership and my attempt through my lame attempts to meet with God daily, that I've been sharing that with my small group. So. I've taken to blogging. I don't journal. I don't like journaling. Um, I, I find that difficult. My writing is atrocious being a family doctor, so journaling for me isn't very helpful. But, but I find that my brain works when I'm at a keyboard, keyboard. so I can actually put down some of my thoughts uh, in the form of a blog, and uh, I've, 
uh, inflicted that upon members of my small group, some of whom have been encouraged. Um, but I think it's, it's been kind of a useful way for me to just kind of process what I've been learning. So thank you to you guys in my small group for, uh, for sometimes reading it and providing some encouragement. Mm. Um, I, I guess over the last little while, I've, I've probably learned, you know, learned two important things. Um, for one, this, my attempts to have a daily meeting time with God early in the morning, it's been good for me. I realize that if I'm not treating my own life kind of like we were talking about in terms of physical health, almost like a 12-step program, I am addicted to my own self-sufficiency. And if I'm not renewing my mind mm -hmm. daily in the morning, I, I'm very less likely to connect with God over the course of the day. So it's a really good start for me to have that, uh, you know, 15-minute time in the morning. Um, the other thing that is, uh, that I've learned is that God wants to meet with me. So um, mm. how cool is that, that the God of the universe actually wants to meet with me for 15 minutes, um, and it's not just something that is just out of my own doing. And the only way that I'm going to be successful maintaining this important part of my own spiritual health is through talking in the transformation about God completing this work in me. It's, it's him uh, through his grace that's going to kind of mm -hmm. wake me up at 6.30 in the morning to, to carry on with this devotion time. And my confidence has increased this time more so than it ever has that I'm, uh, I'm going to be successful because I know that, that God is drawing, to, drawing me to it. Amen. Um, yeah, today was day 21. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Kev. Awesome, dude. Um, I love it. I love it that God actually thinks it's important to meet with him. He thinks it's important to meet with you. You know, uh, one of the things, just a, a tip about Bible reading, we, we got another point I want to get to, part two, but uh, lots of people struggle with the Bible, find it boring, or find that they can't connect with. I have found it helpful <laughs> when you know the author, it's easier to read their book. And uh, so if you're struggling with the Bible, it, it may mean you just don't have, you, you need to connect with Jesus. You need to maybe spend that time in mindfulness, like, God, you're there, and, and in being in his presence, and connect with him. Uh, books, I have, I have a big bookshelf. The books that speak to me the most are the books where I actually personally know their authors. I think of Eugene Peterson or Mark, Mark Buchanan uh, are authors who I've gotten to know a little bit over the years uh, through being in their classes and so forth. I so much better get, a, get, get good things out of those books because I feel like it's a living word to me. I can hear their voice speaking to me as I'm reading their work, and uh, the Bible's a living book. We, it's not about just getting it done, like the OCD, like checking it off your list. It's, it's getting to relate to a real living God, and he wants to relate to you. That's, a, that's good news. So first, uh, first point, feed our minds with truth. Second daily choice, we free our minds from destructive thoughts. Got to do this. That's, that's that what we need to do. We need to free our mind from lies. Jesus says in John 8, you know this verse, then you'll know the truth, and the truth will what? Set you, set you free, right. Jesus is not only reminding us of the power of truth. He's also reminding us that, that in some ways we can be enslaved. We can be like prisoners in our own minds, and we need to be delivered. We need to be released from those things. Uh, and, and we can be prisoners of things that people have told us that simply aren't true. 
As I said earlier, it doesn't matter if it's true or not. If we've believed it, it can affect our life. If, uh, for instance, if when you were young, you were told that you were clumsy, maybe you weren't clumsy at all, but you had a clumsy moment, okay? Everybody has. But you believed it, and now you're thinking you're clumsy. You, you see yourself that way because we tend to act in accordance with the way we see ourselves. I've shared this before, but I'll never remember, I'll never forget a church talent show that when I was like 20 years old, I was asked to be the MC. I was an outgoing person, so they thought I'd be a good MC of this talent show, and I got up there, and 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 my words that night got all twisted, and, and it was just like, I felt awkward. I think everybody else felt awkward, and it was just one of those not nice moments. I mean, some of you have said, yeah, during we've seen you preach sometimes just like that. You, everybody has their moments, right? But I remember, I, I probably will never forget this uh, mother of a friend of mine coming up to me after, and, and she said basically, well, I guess you can check public speaking off your list of things you should do with your life. <laughs> and that impacted me. And it kind of added, it became kind of, a, I guess I'm not a public speaker. And so for, for, your, for, for me to become a pastor, I had to, part of my resistance in becoming a pastor was I kind of held this belief that I guess I'm not a public speaker. I've had to overcome that. Uh, and so, so we've got to free our minds from these destructive thoughts, these lies. And it's not easy. The reason it's not easy is we have three enemies that want to keep us from the truth. <laughs> You know, three, uh, 13th century theologian uh, Thomas Aquinas kind of summed this up, what Scripture says about our three enemies. He described them as the world, the flesh, and the devil. The world, the flesh, and the devil. You've probably heard that before, but these three seem to conspire against us. Just take one of these, the pull of the world, the culture around us, the, the world's value system. If you ever have tried to live for God in the midst of the real world, You've experienced the real strong undertow of the world pulling us away from God, pulling us away from good, pulling us away from the truth. The world's not helping us be more disciplined people, are, are they? You know, does anything in our society encourage self-discipline? No, not at all. I, I mean, every ad, every commercial says something like, you deserve a break today. <laughs> Have it your way or, or we do it all for you. I mean, uh, how about the Mountain Dew ad that, that says, obey your thirst. In other words, behave like an animal and do whatever you feel like doing. Obey your thirst. The world has a powerful influence on us, and I can't overstate that with its value system. It's promoted everywhere in our lives. So nobody has, is really encouraging us to live a, a mentally healthy or responsible life. 1 John 2, 15 to 16 has this warning. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. Yeah, man, some of us need to plan ourselves on that verse for, for a, about a, a year. Like that could be our one-year Bible right there. Do you hear that? If anyone loves the world, if anyone loves the world more than they love God, I mean, we can say I love God all the time, but if we love the world more, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of, his, of the eyes, the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. So everything around us, encouraging us to go the other way, right? To, to not live a, a smart life, to not think healthy or wise. So how do we fight this battle? We have the, 
the, the best of intentions, but we got this kind of triple threat coming against us, our, our, our old sinful nature, you know, the old tracks we've been running on from, from day one, the devil who is described as what? The father of lies. See, we have trouble with, with the truth is because we got somebody that's, that's suggesting all kinds of lies and then the world around us. No wonder we suffer from discouragement and, and failure and believing things about ourselves that aren't true. How do we fight this mental battle? I, I want you to take note of this verse. This is the most important one we're going to look at this morning. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 to 5, where Paul says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension. That's arguments in our mind, pretensions in our mind, that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Notice the warfare language. He's talking about this battle going on, this mental battle, how we demolish strongholds. So what's a stronghold? A stronghold is a lie that we believe. That's a stronghold. A spiritual stronghold in our life is a lie that we believe. So the lie, about, the lie just for example, might be that, that we believe that God doesn't love me. That's a lie. The lie might be that I know better than God what will make me happy. That's, that's a lie. That's a, a stronghold. Anything I, I believe that, that's a lie is called a spiritual stronghold in my life. A, a stronghold can be a, a false system or a, a worldview that we hold. Hedonism is, is one of the most common in our particular culture, in our day, a common belief system. It's basically the idea that the only thing that matters in life is, is pleasure <laughs> and comfort. means that li- life is all about, about fun, having fun. That's a lie. It's not true. It's not why you were made. Or materialism. That's a, a worldview that says the only thing that matters is, is making money or storing money or having stuff. Uh, it's a, a lie that says my worth is, is found in my job or in my bank account, uh, in the income that I have, the home that I own or the, the car that I drive. Those are all lies. Those are not true. But if I believe them, they become a stronghold in my life. A stronghold could be an attitude, a, an attitude like I'm never going to forgive that person. Some of us have made kind of vows uh, about certain things. I'm never going to I'm never going to trust again. I I can never forgive myself. That's a stronghold. I'm never going to amount to anything. Some of you have been saying that lie to yourselves for a long time. That's that's a lie. That's not from God. That's not true. Um, If something bad is going to happen, it's going to happen to me. (laughs) Anyone have that that one uh, go through their brain? That's a stronghold. It's a lie that I'm believing. Paul says if we're going to be mentally healthy, we, we've got to learn how to demolish strongholds in our lives. And, and I'd go as far to say this morning that, that behind every sin is some lie that we are believing. So, so the stronghold needs to be destroyed. How do we do this? Notice two phrases here. First he says, we take captive. The word in, in Greek is akmalo tizo, and it literally means to conquer. It means to bring under control, to capture. The picture I got was from the rodeo I went to a couple years ago, and the, the cowboys lassoing the calf that's released and running wild, and, and they, 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 captive, they captivate it, they capture it. The other phrase is we make obedient, we make it obedient, we take every thought captive, and we make it obedient. Make every thought obey Christ. It literally means to, to bring into submission. What's he talking about here? He's talking about how we mind our mind. 
minding our mind, taking it captive and making it obedient. Um, quick confession here. My, off- my brain often disobeys me. How about yours? <laughs> I got an unruly brain. Uh, I, I, I sit down, even when I'm preparing for a message this morning, I, you know, sit down and I'm like, I, I, I'd like to check the sports page. Like, how are the Canucks doing? I'm, I'm going to the Whitecaps this afternoon. How, I, I wonder who are they play. I mean, my mind is going in all these... I'm thinking about the Mexican food I had earlier this week. I mean, you know, my personality doesn't help me at all in this. But I'd say for all of us, our minds often rebel. I like how Rick Warren puts it. He says, I think, uh, Kevin, you and I can relate to this. When I need to ponder, my mind wants to wander. He says, when I need to pray, my mind drifts away. (laughs) So what do we do? Paul says, we take our thoughts captive. We make them obedient. And what he's saying here this, this, this week, folks, is, is we have a, a choice. Our mind has to listen. God, God didn't just give you a mind. He gave you a will and he gave you emotions. We'll talk about how emotions play into this next week, but he's given us a, a will, and part of the job of the will is to bring our minds into order. Any of you seen the great film, A Beautiful Mind? Uh, stars Russell, Russell Crowe, John Nash, who's suffering from paranoid schizophrenia his whole life, and uh, he's nominated, he wins the Nobel Peace Prize. He's this genius mathematician who's, who struggles with this mental illness, but he comes to a place where his illness doesn't rule him anymore. And at the end of the film, he's asked by someone about his mental state, and, and Nash replies tongue-in-cheek. He says, I am crazy. And then he goes on to say more soberly, he says, I take the newer medications, but I still see things that are not there. I just choose not to acknowledge them. Uh, like a diet of the mind, I just choose not to indulge certain appetites. I love that line. I, I choose. I choose. I choose. That's, that's not so different than what Paul is saying. We, take, we make a choice to take a thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. I, I think a lot of us here this morning think we don't have any choice here. You don't know my mind. It is uncontrollable. I want to say your mind can be brought under control. You can take it captive. You can make it obedient. God has given you that power. In fact, no one else can control your mind. Not even Satan can control your mind. He can, he can suggest and he can influence. Can I say this? Even God, his, his purpose isn't to control your mind. The Holy Spirit wants to come alongside and, and, and encourage you and, and influence you, but, but he doesn't want to control your mind. You've been given that. You're, you're a steward of this mind that, that God has, has created you for, and he's given you that authority. You alone have the authority over your mind. You see the power that we can have as we fill our minds with truth and as we speak no to the lies? I mean, I said this last year, I think, sometime, but I, 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 I see some of us are like in a courtroom where a lie has been blatantly told by a witness in the witness box, and, and in, in the movie, in the story, in, on TV when we see this, the lawyer would stand up and say, I, I object, or even the plaintiff would jump up and say, that was not true. And yet we just sit there and take it. No objection. We, we believe the lies. Oh, guys, sorry, I'm a little passionate this morning because I feel like I want you to know more than anything else this morning that God has given you a choice, a choice for your life. 
you get to choose, right? You get to choose. Uh, I mean, I love the line to Joshua, or Joshua to the people of God back in when he said, choose this day whom you will serve. You choose. And we have two choices we can make every day. By God's grace, we can feed our minds with truth. And, and then by God's power, as, as, here's the, 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 the remarkable thing. As we begin to feed on God's truth, as we begin to reflect on truth and beauty and all those kind of things, it sets you on a path. It sets you on a, a direction for actually experiencing freedom from the lies. You begin to notice the lies, actually. You can't have these two steps, these two choices aren't apart. They're joined. You won't know the lies if you're not immersing yourself in the truth. Do you know how they, they teach bankers? I heard this, this once that, that they, they would teach bankers to identify counterfeit bills. How? Not by showing them counterfeit bills. By putting them in a room and having them spend lots of time handling the real deal. Handling real cash money. Putting, you know, what does real cash feel like? So that when they came across a counterfeit, they'd go, that doesn't feel right. And as we, we invest in making a choice to get into God's truth, we will then be equipped to be able to choose to be freed of lies that we believe. Amen? I love the story of Lincoln's grandmother <laughs> a couple weeks ago. I think she's becoming a spiritual hero to us. Some of us, I mean, I've heard her quoted, uh, quoted of many times, but you know, she, during her later years, she, she lost everything. Her body was just given out on her in, in all kinds of ways, terrible ways. But she... <laughs> What was her answer? Even in her last days when people asked her, how are you doing? She says, I'm thankful. I'm thankful. I'd suggest uh, she had a diet of the mind. She made choices regularly to, to, to renew her mind with truth and, and to hold on to truth and, and not believe the lies. Not, not believe that, that just because I'm sick mean, doesn't mean that God doesn't love me. He's with me and he's got hope for me. My trajectory is hope here. Um, I, I'd say some of us feel kind of hopeless in this area. Maybe your mind is, you feel it's just so out of control. Maybe it feels like a junkyard. Be assured by one of the last promises that we have in Scripture. Can I just share this with you? I, 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 uh, it's one of the last promises that we're given. Revelation 21. This is, I, I would say, our trajectory, where we're heading, where it says, where God says, Jesus says, behold, I make all things new. Do you know our, our, our future is mental health? <laughs> I mean, we talk about that in society a lot, but, but that's our trajectory. Wholeness, wellness, life, peace, and happiness, all that as, as God's vision for you and for me is, is a renewed mind. May God grant us that great gift. Will you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. So, Father, you gave us our minds. Uh, Lord, we're made in your image. This is the, the greatest gift you've ever given us, the gift of intellect. Uh, Lord, we, you gave each of us a beautiful mind. We're grateful for that, Lord. And yet it's the greatest battleground that we have. And, and Lord, we just realized this morning that, that the world and our own flesh and the devil all team up against us to, to thwart our very best intentions. And so we ask... Most humbly this morning, last week we, we prayed, restore our souls. Lord, this week we, we pray, renew our minds, God. Give us the power to renew our minds. Father, help us to put into practice today what we've learned. Help us to, 
to, to, to learn the power of our choice and to make these choices on a daily basis. We want to become people who feed our minds with, with truth all the time. We want to free our minds from destructive thoughts by taking every thought captive to make them obedient to Christ. Lord, to not just let our minds run wild. Lord God, help us, we pray. Sometimes, God, we're ignorant to the lies that we believe or the false values we hold on to, and we're being pulled by the undertow of our culture. And our prayer this morning, Lord, that you would open our eyes, God. You'd begin to show us the counterfeit stuff. And that uh, as we begin to, to, to meditate on your word, as we begin to, to dialogue with you, that you would expose the lies. Father, I, I, I see a lot of inner healing going on here in this church, God. I see you touching us in the deepest places and, and giving us a new place to stand. Again, some of us can't imagine what it would be like. We're, we're in the caterpillar stage. And yet, uh, your vision for us is, is butterfly. <laughs> and so, God, I pray, would you continue to, to make the changes in us so that in our, in our hearts and our minds with your truth. And so we pray, release us from these lies so that we might be all that you want us to be and dreamed us to be. We pray all these things in Christ's name we pray. Amen.